Groundhog Day, the age-old tradition of watching Punxsutawney Phil emerge from hibernation and tell a bunch of guys in top hats what the weather's going to be like for the second half of winter. Thousands of people converge at Gobbler's Knob in Pennsylvania every February for this three-day celebration. With the fun also comes controversy, mostly among professional meteorologists that find Phil's lack of education in the field a bit off-putting. Many have made note of his lack of accuracy, while others enjoy the fun that comes with the tradition. Today we are going off the radar and heading to Gobbler's Knob to learn how this tradition began. We'll talk with a meteorologist that has witnessed and covered Phil's prognostication for the last 22 years. So grab your hot chocolate and join us as we celebrate one of America's oddest and most entertaining holidays, Groundhog Day. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie, and you're listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Happy Groundhog Day, everyone. I have to admit, in my years as a broadcast meteorologist, I wasn't always a big fan of Phil. I was always annoyed that anyone would put any stock in his forecast. What does it even mean? Six more weeks of winter or early spring that could mean different things in different places. Well, as time has gone on, my attitude has shifted, and a big reason for that is today's guest. Joe Murgo is a fellow meteorologist that also spent many years in local TV. Joe and I both served on the American Meteorological Society's broadcast board together, and he gave a talk at a conference a couple of years ago that inspired me to do this episode. He's also retired from TV, which means I was finally able to interview him because he isn't working for a competing company anymore. So Joe was the chief meteorologist at the TV station in Altoona, Pennsylvania. It's the home market to Punxsutawney, which means he covered this event year after year after year after year. Yep, just like the movie. Well, not exactly like the movie. You'll see. Joe shares all the inside details about what goes on up at Gobbler's Knob. Also some hilarious mishaps that he has witnessed over the years. I do want to point out that at one point in my conversation with Joe, he mentions a, uh, well, not so alive groundhog being used in a celebration, but I want to make it clear that he is not referring to Punxsutawney Phil. He's talking about a knockoff celebration in another city. In fact, he says Phil is treated very, very well. We're also going to discuss the scientific relevance of Groundhog Day. So you're going to be a Groundhog Day fan by the time this is all over. Enjoy my chat with meteorologist Joe Murgo. Joe Murgo, 
I'm so happy to have you on today because you are not only a former broadcast meteorologist, but somebody who covered an event like nobody else. You are like the original. What's the guy's name from Groundhog Day? Yes. Phil Connors. Okay. You are the original Phil Connors (laughs) in a real life kind of way. So let's talk about Groundhog Day and kind of the weather implications, the science implications. But I want to start by asking you a little bit about your history with Groundhog Day and how long you covered it and what that was like. My first year covering it was back in 2002. And I have a streak that continues to go on. Uh, so even during COVID, they closed it off. But I've been there. I I, I have. It's impossible. I have the longest streak of covering it on the media. And yes, I'll still be there this year. Okay. So what's it like? Because we have our preconceived notions, you know, like the movie tells us one thing. Recent years, you see it on TV and it looks like a giant raging party early in the morning. So what what is it? What's going on there? Well, what it is, is it's nothing like the movie at all. In the movie, he's in this bed at breakfast. He just goes out to a little park downtown and then that's it. So Gobbler's Knob is a couple of miles south of Punxsutawney. You have, in the old days, it really was a free-for-all party. Then when 2000 and 2001 hit, 9-11, after that, they slowly started building in more security. Now, you can't get up there until 2 in the morning, and you have to take a bus from downtown Punxsutawney, unless you have a special access and so the crowd usually is downtown and they have different places you could stay. And then they work their way on the bus and people are there all morning long, just in the cold, dancing, watching the entertainment. And it is a, a pretty big party, though. Uh, nowadays, it's I'm sure there are some, let's say, substances of liquid there. <laughs> uh, I don't really get to Gotta see it, but I don't warm. get to around the crowd much. Uh, but it definitely has changed. Um, and there's family sections and there's uh, fires for people to warm up. And it's just a, a nice atmosphere. I tell everyone it's something you got to do at least once. Mm. You've never been yet, have you? I haven't. But I've also heard people say that about New Year's Eve in Times Square. And I have no desire to do that. Are there bathrooms? <laughs> yes, okay. there are. In fact, <laughs> there's a concern. A, for most people, it's just lie to porta potties. But there's plenty. They have amenities, they have first aid, they have security. Uh, so there, there, there are, you're not out in the middle of woods in the middle of nowhere. Um, you don't have to rely on depends like you do in New Year's where, right. I mean, yeah, you can get to uh, the spots. Now, I will say I, I limit my water consumption early in the day because once I'm in position at three in the morning, I'm usually in that position till about nine. No bathroom breaks, nothing. I'm usually one station, another station, and just constantly uh, doing updates. So how do you prepare? You say you dehydrate, for one. <laughs> like, do you have hand warmers? How do you dress? The biggest thing is you do have to make sure you dress appropriately. Uh, because if it's a cold morning, that cold gets to you. No matter why. I'm a skier, so I have plenty of gear. But the cold will get to you. And, and, and I've seen several professional broadcasters, even nationwide, and that they look drunk at the end. They're not drunk. It's just the cold is slowing down their processes a good bit. Um, And uh, that's the biggest thing. And you just have to dress appropriately 
now, if you show up too close to the end, you're way in the back. So if you've been doing this for 20 years, I'm sure you've seen lots of different types of weather on Groundhog Day. Any extremes that stand out to you? Um, there were a couple of really cold ones in the early 2000s. And then, and ironically, it was one time that my whole family decided to go. The worst is when there's a little bit of rain and it's cold. That's That's the worst kind of weather. But recently, it's been pretty mild. Now, I will say my gear gets better year to year. I'm pretty comfortable, but there's been a couple of years, a couple of years ago, I remember I had to strip some layers. It was that mild. So yeah, um, definitely a different world. Now this year, uh, we'll see the weather patterns breaking. So, um, we may get back to, we're going to warm, but we may get back to cold. Okay. So take me through the process itself of the groundhog scene, its shadow. Are we still relying on that I'm, I'm curious about kind of the history and when things transition to there's like a scroll and who are the guys in the top hats explain it all to me well it all started in the 1800s in pennsylvania and even before then i'll even back up even before then it was a german tradition over in europe and they used to use a hibernating hedgehog well when the germans migrated to pennsylvania we had a high german population so what they did is well we don't have hedgehogs here they found the groundhog similar enough and in the late 1800s they came out for the first time and every year since then and the tradition really didn't grow that much until the movie and that's where you went from it grew to maybe hundreds to absolute thousands there but the scrolls that's been going on for a long time and and what phil proclaims is he actually speaks in groundhoggies oh i'm not fluent tell me more yes he he only speaks that language and only the president who's holding the cane and if you notice they wrap on his stump before they bring him up and, and holding that cane can understand groundhoggies and he picks one of two scrolls, one that says that he sees a shadow, one that says he doesn't. And, you know, Phil has always been there uh, ever since the 1800s. Wow, Phil is old. Yes. He drinks a magical elixir every July. That's how he stays young, Phil and Phyllis. Gonna need that recipe. <laughs> Same here. So, and I will say there are rumors, I can't confirm or deny that other, there was one time that there was another uh groundhog that they weekend and bernie did <gasps> no yes i he heard was... <laughs> i'm not gonna say who i'm not gonna but they had a little issue with their uh groundhog not quite being oh. um and and i do want to get this out because you're probably going to hear it he's treated pretty well i uh, you know a lot of people will sit there and go that's so mean the groundhog well first of all he is a lot more comfortable than i am on groundhog day <laughs> And I'm right in front of his stump, seeing his little light heat on the inside of his stump, and I'm outside in the cold. But they treat him so nice. He has a habitat in the library. That's his home um, and with him and Phyllis, and it's a museum there. And uh, they do they do treat him pretty nice. I have not heard concerns about that, but maybe it's just the circles I run in. I do, however, run in the circles of meteorologists that are like, angry about Groundhog Day. They're angry that anybody puts any stock in a groundhog for a seasonal forecast. So 
And you've kind of always spoken on the opposite side of things. I'm like, this is a fun tradition. So can you address that, the the people that are very critical of Phil? Well, first of all, I am first and foremost science. I still teach meteorology uh, for one of the campuses at Penn State. I am science true and true. I now work in the climate and weather risk field. First of all, who is totally putting all their stock in on what this one tradition is? Second of all, why do I celebrate it? Well, first of all, I also am one of those people who don't like the darkness. And, you know, and seasonal affective disorder is a, a big issue. You know what the interesting thing about Groundhog Day and why they picked that date? It is the midpoint between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. So that means you're now getting into that period where the daylight's really strengthened. You know, it is a turning of the seasons. And that is a, a very important date to me when it comes to daylight. And that it, it does have a significance there where they picked that day. Yeah, you're right. Because, you know, I th- like I grew up in Connecticut and the winter felt very never ending. And Groundhog Day was always kind of like this day of hope, regardless of what the outcome was. It was like this day of hope where we had something all of a sudden to look forward to because that time between, you know, January 1 and February 1 is kind of like a bleak time, you know, and it makes us think, OK, spring is right around the corner. Either yes. way, it's going to happen this year. <laughs> Just a yes. little bit longer. It's a really good point. It's the Super Bowl of weather. You get the whole world interested in weather on a day. And in a good way, not in like a traumatic hurricane or snowstorm kind of way. Yes. And so to me, I, I it's a celebration day, more uh, uh, of celebrating weather and the changing seasons and less about the actual message. Speaking of the outcome, What's, what's Phil's accuracy like? Do you have any numbers for me on like how he actually does? Or is, is there any concrete evidence on that? So Phil's accuracy, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a never lose forecast. Six more weeks of winter, you know, no definition of winter and spring right around the corner. So how can you ever prove him wrong? It really is a loose definition. So in the court of law, could you argue that Phil is 100% correct? Yes, because there is no true definition of winter. There's no true de- definition of spring. Because really, spring is just a battle between winter and summer, and eventually summer will win no matter how miserable it is. So even if there isn't like scientific accuracy in Groundhog Day, is there scientific relevance kind of beyond this whole, it's the halfway point here in the season? Is there any other scientific relevancy here? Well, yes. Often you're talking about a long wave trough or ridge that locks in for about four or six weeks at a time. At the midway point, if the weather is clear, most likely and mild, most likely you're in a ridge. So he would see his shadow. And therefore, it, given the length of when cold air can hold on, odds are the pattern will change again and it will still feel harsh winter-like and there's still significant cold. However, if you're locked in that trough, odds are it is going to warm up sometime and then, you know, maybe less than a month. By the time it would go back again into that long wave trough, the amount of cold air 
is gone and we and the sun's getting too strong. So there is a little scientific, if you think about it and break it down to the overall weather pattern. Because you think about it, you in winter, you don't usually go lock in. You go from a cold pattern to a warm pattern back to, a, there are some long wave shifts. So what do you think for this year? Any predictions yourself? Oh, well, um, he will always try to find his shadow because of what I always say about spring, the people just always unhappy with the weather. So it's like 80% of the time he'll find a way of uh, finding a shadow. And it's interesting because people will sit there and say, oh yeah, it's all the camera lights. Huh? And the lights up there, they actually turn a lot of them down. Um, but he has this, a mind of his own. I've seen it clear as a bell and he didn't see a shadow and I've seen it cloudy as cloudy could be. And somehow he did see it. So, you know, I, I do think that they, I used to joke that they used to watch my long range forecast and help Phil. He used to watch my long range forecast and then he would make a decision off of that. Right. Cause okay. Punxsutawney for play. A lot of people don't even know where this is. And I mean, if you grew up in, say, California, this may be completely irrelevant to you. You don't even know where this is. So can you explain like where in Pennsylvania this is and then your TV market and just how small that is and how it was like the hometown TV market for this city? Yes. Yeah. I, I worked in the Altoona, Johnstown uh, television market, which includes Jefferson County, where Punxsutawney is located. It is... Uh, about an hour northwest of Altoona and uh, about an hour and a half northeast of Pittsburgh. Off the beaten path. There's no major interstate there. And that's why it's really important to the town. And this is a big boost to their economy every year. Um, so, you know, it's real important to the small little town, but it is in the middle of nowhere. And it's even outside of that town, too. It's kind of hysterical. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, the Altoona Johnstown market is the home market for uh, Phil. And that's how I got to cover it for all those years. OK, so 20 plus years. We've talked about kind of the weather you've seen in that time. Anything else that you've seen? Any weird things happen or crazy things happen that stand out to you? Some fun memories of covering this for over two decades? Let me uh, think of all the ones that are safe to say. Um, you can tell me the unsafe ones, too. <laughs> I'll cut them out if they're too uh, inappropriate. Well, there was one governor, uh, you know, Phil Groundhog had very sharp teeth and he's not, he's not, it's not a domestic animal. Phil does have changing moods. One governor, they warned and they said, whatever you do, governor, don't try to pet the groundhog. And the first thing that they, he did when he got up on stage, he reached out for it. And thank goodness, Bill, I think Bill Dealey was the um, handler at that time. Thank goodness his reflexes were fast enough because the governor almost lost a finger that day. A lot of times you'll see them handling them with black gloves and there's fencer steel mesh gloves underneath. So this, you know, the, the teeth are very sharp. Uh, there's another time that they lifted Phil up and they always hold him up and do this to the crowd. It was one time he had to go. Oh. <laughs> and it actually, they didn't turn in front of me, but he did shower. Well, I front. Oh, no. They got what? They got peed on? <laughs> Some people got peed on. And that's not what you want on a cold day. <laughs> no, that's not what you want even on a warm day. <laughs> and another time, Phil almost got away 
And it was just really, it was a tense moment because he, he flipped and he fell and his mouth went to the area on the handler's body where you're hoping someone doesn't take a bite. <gasps> yes. Has the crowd ever done anything weird? Has there ever been like fights? Absolutely. Or- um, there's always, and now one time there was someone from an MTV show uh, that was there. Uh, back when MTV was doing a lot of shows and wild things, it was Viva La Bam. Um, he was going to storm the stage. And uh, it was interesting because of the maneuvering, we, uh, how everyone heard it and was trying to prevent that. Um, you know, there was one time this woman came in just a fur bikini. Some of the outfits that people wear, I mean, there's a guy, he has a different groundhog beanie baby he adds to his hat every year. It's very interesting. Um, and you see people from everywhere. I've, I've run into, you mentioned California, it doesn't mean much, but I've, I've had run into people from Japan, Australia, Hawaiians. It's like a bucket list. I, I, I even one time uh, I interviewed and talked to a South African. They must think, like, what a strange American tradition. Yes. Um, and, you know, and it's interesting because he does get his picture uh, because I'll know because people will see it. And I, it's in newspapers all around the world. Joe gets his proclamation. And especially if it's a really rough weather pattern around the time, he tends to get even more headlines. Um, what can you tell me about the inner circle? How do you get in the inner circle? Are women allowed? It seems kind of uh, elite. It's, it is, you know, I, there have been conversations. To be honest, I've met a lot of the women family of the inner circle, and they're like, that's okay. We don't want to stay up night all night anyway, because <laughs> um, they work constantly. It's a group of people who their responsibility is to carry on tradition, and it's a 365-day-a-year job. It is, uh, you know, you do have to work your way in and it requires a certain amount of volunteer hours and then they'll retire and they still are part of it. But it is a small club. I'm, I I was so honored the one time I'm an honorary member of the inner circle. I was going to ask, do you have any aspirations to be in the inner circle given your history? <laughs> uh, not the full uh, inner circle. I'm just happy enough to be an honorary member and, you know. And I will tell you, I love those guys. Those guys are great. Uh, They really do a lot. And the governor, Governor Shapiro, came last year, right after he was elected to office. And he and his family loved the tradition. And they just brought the inner circle and they invited me. And we all went to the governor's mansion 100 days before Groundhog Day. And we had a celebration. And Phil was there, too. Are there a lot of pregame events? There are people who go there every day of the year just to see it. When you walk around Punxsutawney, there's all these small little groundhogs all over the place. Uh, well, it's small. They're about four or five foot tall statues all over town. So people go there all the time and maybe not even go for the day itself. But some people will go up two, three days ahead of time and will stay. And good luck in getting a hotel around there. It's interesting because uh, Punxsutawney doesn't have much in the way of lodging. I was really lucky for the longest time because uh, they allowed me, 
I would, I say no one's up at Gobbler's Knob, but for a while, for about a half dozen years, I would have an RV in the back and I would sleep on Gobbler's Knob. Oh, wow. With my crew. Yes. How convenient. Uh, it's so interesting because I would go to sleep and it's all empty patch of woods and you wake up and there's tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Joe, is there anything else you want to add about Groundhog Day? This has been really fun. Uh, no, just uh, again, it's worth it for someone to go once. It's a fun thing. Do it once, but just have a great attitude and prepare for the cold. Joe Margo, thank you so much. Best of luck this year. 23rd year? It'll be my 23rd in a row. Wow. Congratulations. This is Thanks. very exciting. Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes publish every Tuesday morning. If you know someone that's feeling kind of so-so about Groundhog Day and wants to learn more about it, make sure you share this episode with them. I'd also love you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show. You can also give me some ideas for future episodes. Special thanks to Joe Murgo for his insider information today. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Make it a great day.